Blog Talk Radio. Five, five, four, four, three. about them tonight. We're going to talk about 
the conferences, who we think is going to win. Remember, we, we can do a show Wednesday night as well. This is not our last show before college football. So if you're available, we'll do one Wednesday night as well. That'll be probably our most important show. But let's let's go to the NFL real quick. And before we get too big into college football, which is what we do best, but Tony Romo, the Dallas Cowboys man, Tony Romo or somebody be trading for draft picks and have them 
take on that new contract? Do you think someone's willing to do that? Uh, I mean, they would have to be somebody who is uh, sitting close to, if not near the salary floor. Um, we would be talking about, well, funny enough, uh, somebody like Cleveland or San Francisco <laughs> who both have – 48, you know, almost 49 million in cap space. Um, so there's somebody that could that could weather a storm like that if need be, especially this year. You weather the 31 million. Who cares? Still have 17 left over. Um, and then next year, you know, as long as you're not looking to do any big free agent splurging, looking at you, Cleveland, uh, since they're acquiring draft pick after draft pick, uh, I think it would make sense for the Browns to do something if it could be if it's worth their while. Because uh, my thing is, if I'm taking on Tony, it's almost like uh, basketball or baseball. Uh, if I'm going to take on this contract just to essentially get rid of it for you, I need something pretty tasty coming my way. And that's usually not something we see in the NFL. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants a banged-up quarterback aging with back problems, especially – RG3 is looking pretty good out there in Cleveland right now. I mean, he's not going to light the world on fire, but he looks better than the other quarterback they've had in the recent years. So maybe, maybe Cleveland can get him a couple more wins. Maybe Cleveland can sneak in there with a couple more wins. But let's, you, you mentioned the team San Francisco, and there's, there's something I want to talk about just for a minute. I don't want to give the thug too much time, but Colin Kaepernick in the national anthem refusing to, you know, to pay his respects to doing anything because he said he's oppressed, that white people are racist. And last time I checked, he's white, isn't he? And his parents are white. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get confused with, with what this guy's talking about here. Fill me in on Colin Kaepernick. I mean, this is the same guy that wore a Miami Dolphins hat when he played for the Dolphins for the Niners. So this is a guy that's an ignorant fool, and I think he, he just hurt his chances playing with San Francisco. Well, so here, here's the for for those that don't know Kaepernick's backstory, um, his uh, his mother is is white and his father is uh, is black. And um, when um, his mother was pregnant, his father up and left. His mother gave him up for adoption. He was adopted by an affluent white family, and uh, they took pretty good care of him um, to the point where he doesn't even want to. Uh, from what I understand, he still won't meet his mom, his his birth mother. Um, very interesting there. So Kaepernick, for the past couple months, if you look at his Twitter page, has um, and Clay Travis. I got to give him a hat tip on this one. He wrote an article on this that I was really impressed with, and uh, because of his article, I went and took a gander. Kaepernick's Twitter page has been a little different lately. Um, he has. Uh, said that the American flag and the Confederate flag uh, might as well stand for the same thing, which uh, throws me and a lot of people for a loop. Uh, But Kaepernick decided to let everybody know that he wasn't going to stand for the national anthem, and nobody really had noticed or cared until he said something um, about how uh, the the oppression in in the United States and – I have problems with this on many levels because it's one thing, and a lot of people um, from all over the spectrum here have jumped on him, Um, and it's from the standpoint of he says this, 
but he hasn't done anything towards, let's say, the Black Lives Matter cause or anything of that nature. So there are some of the members of like Black Lives Matter who have come out and said, well, your words are your words. That's fine and dandy, but what have you done? Um, and, you know, they're, they're you know, and I, I'm, I, my, my, my thing here is if he wasn't getting cut or was close to being cut, whatever it is, would he have actually said anything? Because now he's almost made it to where the Niners can't cut him because of the backlash they can receive uh, publicity-wise, even though he's not going to start from the 49ers. He's not the starting quarterback. He's a huge captain. Well, you know, Chip Kelly. So, you know, Chip, I mean, you know, Chip Kelly, no problem with being a player. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we saw how he handled Deshaun Jackson and uh, Lashawn McCoy. He does. Chip Kelly's not a huge fan of outspoken personnel, and you know, the thing is, if the Forty ers were to cut Kaepernick this year, his dead cap would be more. But like, but like we talked about, they have the um, they have the cap space to absorb the extra four million. Uh, that it would be to cut him. But after that, it drops completely off because of, of the way the contract was structured. And there was already a belief when he signed that big deal that after this year they were probably going to cut ties with him um, or restructure it because the guaranteed money's pretty much gone. Uh, you know, and I'll say this. I was, the national anthem is something um, that I believe, you know, every American, you know, should respect. Um, but at the same point in time, I respect his First Amendment rights and I respect his rights to peacefully protest. So I have no issues with it. I, I, I my issue, my issue is more of some of the off the wall color remarks he's made that have really bothered me. And this is a quarterback whose play is completely, um, completely tumbled since that Super Bowl run because I think he got too big for his britches. And I think he thought he was a lot better than he really was. Well, think about this. He's at work. And whether you, I mean, whether you call it work or not, this guy's not worth 50 cents an hour to me. Uh, but if I did something like this at work or I was outspoken, I wouldn't have a job. You know, and that's, that's, it's, he shouldn't be able to. I know your First Amendment rights and everything, but this guy's an idiot. And, and he's he's the only player. I, if I'm on his team, I don't want him on there. And that's that's what I'm wondering. How is how is this team? How are they taking this? Because I, you know, I'm sure there's some players that have military families, or, or somebody's overseas right now fighting, and and he's doing this stuff. I would beat his I would beat his head through the wall if I was on his team. To be honest with you, doing well, that. From what I understand, there was a player's only meeting today about Kaepernick. And the whole logic behind it was we don't want a splintering of this team. We can't do the, the fractions um, in the locker room right now. So it's more, it's not as much as everybody trying to get on board with Colin. It's just trying to get everybody to go past this because Jay Glazer said this during the halftime of the Cardinals Texans game today. Uh, in which he said, and you know, you know, nobody in the front office is happy that they're going from being covered by Fox to Fox News. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think uh, that the team as a whole is going to try and move past this without getting absorbed into it. But I, I honestly think that his uh, his days as a 49er are are really, really, really numbered. I'm with you on that. 
Yeah, good numbers. Well, uh, well, I need some help real quick, Jonathan, in fantasy. Okay, we have we have five keepers I can keep, right? <clears throat> and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Tom Brady, Cam Newton. All right, I've got Adrian Peterson. I've got Eddie Lacy. I've got Julio Jones and and Hopkins from Houston, the receiver. Which one of those do I cut? Uh. Well, I think without a doubt, I keep Julio, Hopkins, and Cam. Um, you're getting three guys there who are all top five for their position and, and will be for at least another five years, um, barring injury, of course. Um, and then going beyond that, since quarterbacks tend to be such a commodity, how big is your league? Is it 12 teams, 14 teams? Uh, I think it's 10 teams. Okay. So, and, I, and I'm second in the draft, actually. So, um, usually, I, you know, I'm in the playoffs in the Super Bowl last year. I had some injuries hit me. And uh, so I'm second overall. And I can get a quarterback if I need to. There will be quarterbacks available. But I hate to cut Tom Brady with his age and missing four games. But also, Lacey, a running back, he's a good one on a good team that scores a lot of points. It's hard to let him go or Peterson. So, I'm just confused. So, any words of wisdom you have before I, I make a mistake? I would make sure to keep Cam, Julio, DeAndre. And if I had two two spots and out of those three guys, personally, I'd keep Peterson and Lacey. Since it seems like true premier yeah. running backs are uh, harder to come by, um, especially guys who – I mean, I know Peterson's had his injuries, but if you think about it – he has a torn ACL, and other than that, he has a really good bill of health. And Eddie Lacy did a really good job of cutting weight and getting in phenomenal shape this offseason. I think uh, mm-hmm. he's going to have another solid year. I would keep those two as well. Brady being close to 40, and if you think about it with Brady, he doesn't put up huge fantasy numbers anymore. He, uh, they do well mixing up the pass and the ride. He does get a couple of touchdowns here and there, but I can't afford to to keep a guy that's suspended for four games. And I know there's, a, there's more than that, because you can be out of it. You go over four in your first four games, um, we're screwed almost for the rest of the season. So I think what I can do is cut Brady and draft a quarterback. Well, I can back Prescott in the, with the sixth, in the sixth round right here on the second pick. Would that be too early to draft a, a Prescott? Or Tony Romo. I know Tony Romo's out for a while, but I don't know. I wouldn't get Romo that early. But a quarterback that's – I'll tell you the quarterbacks that will probably be out there. Uh, Eli Manning, which that's not a bad one to, you know, to get by with for a few weeks. You know, he's going to mm-hmm. get 300 yards a game. And uh, so I, I don't know who else is going to be out there. But Ezekiel Elliott, I've kind of got my eye on him as well. A running back for the Cowboys, Tyrod Taylor's out there, Flacco, Bortles, uh, Alex Smith, Osweiler, Tannehill, Cutler, Bridgewater, the list goes on and on that, that you can look. And even Case Keenum wouldn't be a terrible play, I don't think. I think he may have a decent uh, season if Gurley does. So, anyway, I just want to throw that out there. don't want to get too much into fantasy, but I'm stacked, aren't I? With who, I've got two of the top five receivers in the NFL I have the number one player in the NFL, Cam Newton, and I have two running backs. And you mentioned something very important. Most teams use 
two running backs or three or whatever, and they split carries. Minnesota uses AP primarily, and Green Bay uses Lacey. So it's hard to find those running backs that are every down running back like that. And that's why it's so hard to get rid of those two. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm going to uh, – I actually joined the Dynasty uh, Fantasy Football League. Yeah, it's actually been a couple of years since I've done fantasy football. And one of my buddies called and said, hey, I got an opening in my Dynasty League. I can't find anybody else. I know you're not big on fantasy football anymore. Would you do it? And I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? Keeps me entertained. And um, one of the problems I ran into with uh, my running backs in particular was um, I have Thomas Rawls, but Seattle's talking about doing a little bit of a timeshare with Christine Michael, who I also have. So I have Seattle's top two running backs, but who's going to – get most of the carries. Um, I have Langford for the Bears, but now there's talks that he's going to split carries with rookie Jordan Howard. So it's like, well, all of a sudden, I have, you know, six running backs, but four of them are actually part of a pairing. <laughs> so, you know, what what, what do I do? Uh, yeah, that's definitely uh, something that, um, you know, I've run into, I've noticed, and, uh, you know, all, all you can do is just hope that uh, you can actually juggle the um, the acts accordingly. Luckily, most of these teams have a rusher and you know like a first and second down guy, and a guy who is more of a, a pass catcher maybe gets work in on second and long. Uh, so it's just trying to play matchups against certain defenses and, and hoping. Uh, but yeah, I mean, with the running backs and receivers you have, as long as they stay healthy, I believe you should be in for a, a very good season. Yeah. Um... You know, speaking about the NFL preseason, you know, people are whining about Romo's injuries, getting rid of the preseason. I'm with you, Jonathan. I don't like it, but, hey, it is what it is. Some people we talked about get their jobs because of those preseason games and get to support their family. But the Chicago Bears, Jonathan, are 0-3. And I know preseason, you're not supposed to look at it, but these guys have put up 29 points in three games. I mean, think about that. That's what concerns me about the Bears when I was talking to Cuervo, Quinn, and everything about them finishing dead last in this division. That's why. They can't score points, Jonathan. Detroit's 1-2 and two with 53 points. Green Bay's 3-0 and o with 58 points. Vikings 3-0 and o with 58. Is the Bears, is this a result of preseason, in your opinion, or is this a sign of things to come? Because they just can't score. Well, one of my favorite preseason teams uh, to uh, to always watch used to be uh, the Colts when Peyton Manning was there. And the reason behind that was you knew they were going to score like 14 points a game because they weren't going to play starters. They're, you know, they, they'd come out for a drive or two, and then everybody would sit down because they're so entrenched in the rules, nobody's going to, uh, to unseat them. And the Colts would go 0-4 in the preseason every year. Maybe they get 1-3 on a lucky game. Uh, and then they win 12 or 13 games in the regular season. So whenever a team has a losing record in the preseason, I'm usually not too worried about it because that tells me that that, you know, usually that that coach, as long as the starters haven't played a lot, that coach is set on who he wants out there and he's just trying to keep guys uh, healthy um, with getting them minimal work. Um, you know, teams that I always worry about are teams that are 4-0 in the preseason, 3-1, uh, because those are usually young teams 
that have a lot of guys that are trying to prove themselves. And the problem is that that success doesn't usually translate over uh, until the upcoming season. Yeah, when you see the Panthers one and two right now, I'm not too worried about them. They scored 62 points in three games. I mean, that's that's all right. That's nothing. That's that's almost leading. I mean, 82 with Dallas. I mean, what does that tell you? You know, they're just putting it up. But I, I just look at that sometimes, and and I wonder. I saw Arizona playing today. Did you see Palmer's uh, pick six he gave up, and he got nailed after that. After that ball was kicked off, did you see that hit he took? I did. He 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 took a hard hit, and there's a reason why he did not come back out there. Yeah. So here's my question: In preseason, you know, it's preseason. Should quarterback be hit like that, especially after on a play like that? He's trying to look like he's trying to take him out, and that's that's where if I'm a coach, I'm scared and. And one thing that scares me, too, is Andrew Luck. They pulled him early because the offensive line was so terrible. And people want to argue that the Colts are still the best team in the South right now, the AFC, where I think I think Houston's going to be. But have you watched Indianapolis and that offensive line breaking in a new center? Um, Andrew Luck's in trouble, man. I just don't think he can make it an entire year. That's one thing I watched. That offensive line was getting pistol with. And that doesn't bode well for a guy that had a ruptured kidney or spleen or whatever, uh, lacerated kidney. What do you think of the Indianapolis Colts right now in the AFC South? People think it's the foregone conclusion, but I'm still not sold on them just yet. Well, I think it's going to be the same Colts team we saw last year. I mean, obviously, you know, we're we're hoping Luck can play a full season, and, and if he does, that'll be the Colts team from the year before that. Well, in all honesty, it really wasn't that good either. Um, you know, and they took advantage of a weak division that has gotten better. I think Jacksonville and Houston have both improved uh, to the point where I think uh, Jacksonville could make a run for the division this year. Uh, Houston definitely could. Um, you know, so for for the Colts, so this has been a long-term issue. Ever since they drafted luck, it's always been – you know, Luck's a phenomenal quarterback, but that offensive line is awful. You know, Trent Richardson got traded from Cleveland to Indianapolis, and I know people look at Richardson and go, oh, what a bust, but if you've noticed, the Colts haven't really had a good running game under Luck. Uh, you know, Richardson at least had a, had a successful rookie year in Cleveland behind a very good offensive line, very underrated offensive line, to be honest. And you look at what he did in Indianapolis, and they struggled. They went, oh, well, this is all Richardson's fault. And you're like, well, no running back had a good time there. And they haven't had a, a successful running game as long as Andrew Luck's been there. So I think the offensive line has been an issue for a long time. It's something that they haven't paid enough attention to. Um, and, and, you know, it's coming back to get them. I mean, the Colts have done a very bad job of building around Luck. There's no doubt about yeah. it. And, well, you know, this year they used four of their eight picks on offensive linemen, but that's, that's great, but that's not going to show uh, show anything until two, three, four, five years maybe down the road. I mean, it takes a while to learn how to play offensive line in the NFL to be good and gelled. So now you've got a quarterback like Andrew Luck with this offensive line that you're just trying to put together. It's just not a good situation to have, especially – He's not really dual threat. He's not mobile. 
especially now. And what makes me sick is I think Andrew Luck's a phenomenal quarterback, probably one of the best in football, but now he's on one of the worst teams. You know, he he replaced Peyton Manning and had it made for a couple of years because that team was good. Now they're starting to to rebuild. If I'm I'm Andrew Luck, I want to go maybe to San Francisco or something and play. I'm trying to get out of Indy if I'm Andrew Luck. He's not going to make it out alive. I'm with you on that. I think if I'm Andrew Luck personally, um, I go to management and I say, look, guys, I I can't keep getting beat on like this. You know, this is the same issue that David Carr had in Houston, and obviously they had a a much tougher road because they were were building from scratch. Uh, But it's also the same thing that Ryan Tannehill has gone under with the Dolphins. Uh, if I'm not, I'm, you know, being that I'm in Southwest Florida, we get more Dolphin broadcasts down here uh, than I'm used to seeing. And so I've been watching some of their preseason games, and uh, they put up an infographic, uh, I want to say the week before, against Dallas. Um, and uh, it talked about how Tannehill has been sacked um, over 100 times. Uh, I can't remember the exact number. But it's 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 a really high number since he entered the league, and, and I mean it's not, you know people talk about how bad Tannehill is, and it's like well, I mean the poor guy's getting getting his tail whipped and playing off his back the whole time. So you know you you look at teams that are successful even with let's say iffy quarterbacks, they usually have very good offensive lines. I mean if you go through. Uh, the Super Bowl champions since 2000, I'd like for you to point out a bad offensive line. Bad offensive lines and quarterbacks, they get sacked a lot, usually don't play for the big titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. I think the Steelers might be the only exception just because of Ben Roethlisberger being as big as he is can absorb most uh, and bounce off defenders a little more. Yeah, I love Big Ben. Cam, you know, the way he's mobile, he can get away with it, but and Carolina has a real good offensive line. If you get blindsided off the left side, the left tackle side, he almost got him killed in the Super Bowl. If they can fix that problem, you know, it would be good. But, but, hey, we got a long time yet to talk to NFL football. We, we don't start until the Thursday after next. Denver is going to end up starting. <laughs> but Fumble Sanchez is not even going to be starting against Carolina. You think you think Carolina can come out that first night on Thursday and just put a beat down on Denver? Because I, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be a beat down for revenge in the Super Bowl. And I, Denver's going to finish last place. They're going to finish last place in their division because that quarterback's so bad. Well, it's very interesting that Trevor Simeon is getting a lot of looks um, out there in Denver, considering that it's not like he was – Exactly, uh, highly drafted and uh, you know, well, well thought of pro prospect, and I think that's very telling. I, I think as far as they go, it's uh, when do they break in uh, their first round pick? You know, Paxton Lynch. Um, you know, I think uh, you know he's obviously going to be very important to their success this year if he can acclimate rather quickly. Uh, you know, because I mean, Sanchez, I think was broken in New York. I, I honestly believe that. Um, and, you know, that doesn't even go into the fact that he probably entered the draft a year too early. I mean, Pete Carroll said that. And if Pete Carroll said it, you know, it's it's probably true. Um, so I, yeah, I think I never as far as 
yeah, <laughs> at least not to his own players. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I think when uh, when you look at the Broncos, uh, Kubiak is just hoping that the team offensively can tread enough water uh, to where they won't kill the defense. This is going to be a year where if the Broncos make a run, it's going to be a lot like last year where it's a lot of low-scoring games. Uh, you know, th- this is almost something like the Tim Tebow year where that defense played out of their mind, even though Tebow got a lot of attention uh, because there were a lot of low-scoring games that allowed that offense to score 16 and win. Well, there's no Tim Tebow there anymore, but let's move on to the things that matter right now, and that's college football is on. And we're going to start out talking about, guess who, the Auburn Tigers, Jonathan. Um, and I want your opinion on one thing real quick. You're familiar with Byron Cowan, right? The number one player out of recruiting last year uh, came in, didn't really hear his name last year. He got beat by, by walk-ons, freshmen, whoever, everybody got his hands on him. But this year, it seems like he's falling again, like the freshman Davidson going to start over him. It looks like, what's wrong with Byron Cowan? Like, for a number one overall player, usually has success. I don't remember the last time a defensive number one player hasn't done well, but what do you think Cowan's issue is at Auburn right now? Not being able to, you know, to get in the, the first two, you know, the, the two deep at least. Maybe he will, but I heard he's having trouble right now of being a starter. And freshmen are coming in that weren't number one overall players. They're coming in and kicking him. I mean, just beating him up and, and just outperforming him. What happens to Byron Cowan? Well, I mean, there's always an issue when you have a kid that highly recruited um, that uh, maybe he, uh, you know, his head's a little too big and he needs to be humbled. Uh, You know, I mean, of course I I know Cowart. um, The school he went to, Armwood, was actually a team that my high school would have to play uh, if we made it to state playoffs, I believe. We actually lost him two years in a row. Um, So... Yeah, actually, we did my junior, my my senior year. We lost him one year in a row, uh, one year. So uh, Byron Byron Coward is is somebody that uh, is highly talented. Uh, you know, he's from a good football area. He's from a very good football school, and I think you know you just need to be humbled a little bit, and he'll be okay. He's somebody that has a lot of talent. He, uh, you know, he'll all he has to do is work hard. You know, I I think that uh, the coaching staff is expecting more out of him than they would a lot of players, and they're going to work him harder than they will most guys because of uh, his lofty status. They don't want him thinking he can get away with just being average. They want him to be great because that's what he should be. And I think uh, just give him time, and, and he'll come around. It's uh, it's definitely somebody that would be nice uh, to have uh, show up mm-hmm. when you compare him next to uh, pair him on the other side of Carl Lawson. I mean, my goodness. Yeah, and Lawson's back. Can he stay healthy with Adams? Uh, Lambert, I mean, this this defense is stacked. I mean, it is one of well, – they got a safety arrested the other night, Roberts. I hope maybe he – they don't suspend him since the other guys weren't suspended. But anyway, I mean, so this is – the news came out this week. Uh, then Sean White would be the starter. And then it was a day after Jeremy Johnson lost his grandfather in a car accident. Oh, Jonathan, Sean White the starter at Auburn, I know I've had mixed emotions about it. I'm still not sold that 
that Sean White's going to play a lot in that Clemson game. I'm still thinking that, that from what I'm hearing, that Jeremy Johnson is the actual the best one out of the three has outperformed both, and it's really not been as close as the coaches have been talking about. But maybe they maybe they don't want Jeremy Johnson to feel that pressure and, and on social media. You know, if they put it out, Jeremy Johnson was starting, Auburn fans would go crazy on Facebook and Twitter. The media fine bomb would go off. It's kind of a redo that uh, I get to do maybe with Jeremy Johnson. You think? Because watching this Auburn team, yes, I think they can beat Clemson with Sean White the first game of the season. They rotate him right. But going forward, as an every game quarterback, quarterback, I don't think Sean White's the answer at Auburn to be able to win the SEC. And we talked about it. How much do you think he's going to play against Clemson? And and let me know your thoughts about Sean White. Oh, I mean, Sean White, we have to remember, coming out, he was the number two quarterback in the nation, a pocket passer quarterback. He, play, he was in the Under Armour All-American game. He was an, um, an Elite 11 quarterback. I mean, this kid is hot, very, very talented. Um, you know, I mean, if you look at his offer sheet, you're going to think twice because a lot of the schools that offer him would be more second-tier schools. You know, maybe his second-best offer was West Virginia or Houston. But this is a very talented kid from the state of Florida, from southeast Florida. So he went up against some good talent over there in Fort Lauderdale. Um, you know, I mean, his his game, I don't think, fits Malzahn's system. Uh, you know, he's a true pocket-passing quarterback. You know, it's 40 times, um, uh, you know, I want to say it's around a five flat. So this isn't exactly a kid that you're like, oh, he can run, a, you know, an option offense or a read option. Um, but at the same point in time, I think he's good enough to make all the throws. Whereas Jeremy Johnson, we don't know mentally if, if he can handle the game, unfortunately, from what we saw last year, as much as, you know, I think we all want him to succeed at this point. Um, you know, and then, you know, you have John Franklin III, who <laughs> I watched Last Chance You last night. I banged out all six episodes. Let me tell you, what I saw from John Franklin III was a quarterback who didn't trust his arm. I believe that 110%. Athletically, my goodness. He, if John Franklin III is Nick Marshall reincarnated. He really is for Auburn. He is Nick Marshall 2.0. He needs to trust that arm. As long as he trusts his arm um, and you know can develop a little more touch on his throws, I think JF3 can be somebody that can, um, that can play uh, for, for, for Auburn and lead them to success. But he's got to earn that job. Uh, you know, so I, I think for Auburn to start white, you're going to need the receivers to do their job. They're going to need to, you know, this is a Clemson secondary that without Mackenzie Alexander, I'm not sold completely that they're they're as good as they were last year. This is somebody that you need to get after. Um, and I think, uh, you know, that Sean White doesn't hurt Auburn's chances of succeeding more than any of the other I two quarterbacks. I really, I really Maybe think that – Right. No, I mean for Clemson, maybe maybe that's why Clyde is the better option in this game because they're going to attack in the air and the ground. But you know those those quick slants and those throws he can make. You you may be that's a great point. Sean White may be the starter, and that's all they said. 
he will be the starter for game one. They didn't say he won the quarterback job, the competition. He just said for game one that he's going to be the quarterback. You may be right that it's about a matchup issue, and I'm sure you're going to see Johnson and Franklin. You're going to see all three of them. What, what do you think the odds are that all three of them play? I mean, I put the odds that all three play, let's say, at 30%. You know, because with Franklin, the fun thing is, is obviously you can have design runs with him. Uh, you could also split him out wide and run some trick plays with him, maybe some bubble screens just because he is, I mean, he is so athletic. You know, you, you could do a myriad of things with him. Whereas with Jeremy Johnson, if you bring him in, you're bringing him in because he has a cannon. You know, and, and that's, that's really my big thing with, with Jeremy. You know, if you're, if you're going to bring him in, it's because you're, you're trying to get that ball deep. Whereas I don't think Sean's, Got strong as strong an arm, but he's better at the intermediate and shorts. And I think you know he can think and dunk it to death. So um, you know I think there's a good chance we'll see Sean and John. I just don't know as much about Jeremy. Yeah, let's uh, let's bring Quinn on the line and see what what he thinks about the Auburn quarterback situation and the announcement that came this week. Welcome, Quinn. Yeah, I had mixed emotions, but the more I thought about it, Sean got injured last year, but when he came in against Mississippi State, he actually, if you remember and you go and look back, he actually could run better than what most than what most people mm-hmm. think. I mean, he doesn't have the speed of Marshall or Cam or Jeremy Johnson or John Franklin the third, but but I mean he. When he was healthy before he got injured, he actually could move around a lot better than what people think. And he's also the best thrower out of all three of them. So so I I think he could do all right, just the wide receivers have to be able to catch the ball. I trust in Gus Malzahn to make the right decision. I think yeah, you're going to see all three play. I think, I think that the plot comes in there, but Johnson... If White comes in the first two drives and leads us on score drive, he can't take him out. You know what I mean? But I don't want this musical chairs of quarterback either. I mean, get a guy, settle on him. You need to start a quarterback let him have the game. I just don't want to play musical chairs, Jonathan, with quarterbacks. Maybe after the first two games, we need to be surely dead set on a quarterback. Uh, I agree. I mean, being uh... – uh, you know, we've seen the musical chairs before. You know, we saw Virginia Tech run it. Um, I've seen Florida State do it or try to with Xavier Lee and Drew Weatherford. We saw Ohio State try to manage it last year with Cardell and JT. I mean, we're going to watch Notre Dame with Zaire and Kaiser. Um, see, yeah. see how that works out. You know, so, uh, with, with you know, and this is, you know, something that, you know, you'll notice when you watch, if you have, you know, I know you watched last Chance you and uh, there are other people I know that watch for those that haven't. It's something that the coaches have mentioned at least twice throughout it was you don't want you know you don't only want to take a guy out if he's doing well. At the same point in time, you almost don't want to take him out when he makes a mistake because you're going to shatter his confidence. So yeah, he's trying to find a way to delicately juggle that act, whether it's a first half, second half type of thing, or however it works. So I, I think, you know, Gus don't know what he's doing. I, you know, like like you said, you trust Gus. Auburn fan base needs to trust Gus. I trust Gus. 
This is this is a coordinator that took Cam Newton out of Blinn College and they won national championship. He took Keith Marshall, who was a cornerback at Georgia, uh, took him out of JUCO, led him to a national title game, an appearance. Next year, very good Auburn team that just ran into one of the best SEC West seasons I think you've ever seen. Your Ole Miss and Mississippi State showed up on the map and everything. So, you know, my my whole thing is trust us. Gus don't know what he's doing. It might seem like, oh, my, how could you make it? It's like, oh, his thing, though. We had the benefit of replays and things of that nature, whereas Gus is just kind of down and run off the field. So, I, you know, I think Gus is going to know what he's doing this year. He's going to let Sean play. He's going to let DeAndre play. He'll probably try and get Jeremy in there if he can just because Jeremy's seen it all compared to the other two. Jeremy's been through more. He he know he should know the playbook better. So it's going to be interesting to see how this first game goes. I mean, you couldn't have picked a tougher game to open the season to try and figure it out. It. Oh, of course. Of I course. Who doesn't? I love it. And, and the fact the, that yeah. he gets to play number two at home at night, I just don't think people understand that environment at night. Like, the defense, now, now if all his defense wasn't good, I'd be worried. I would be very worried. But the fact that that defense Same. should should be very, very good this year, and Clemson lost a ton on defense, it just gives me call. I have a lot of confidence in offering all the coverage if they win that game. But that doesn't mean that they're going to win the national championship or anything. It's just a matchup right now. Auburn's at home. They have better special teams and better kickers. Um I, don't, I mean, obviously they had the better defense because if you remember, Jonathan, uh, that defense last year was actually backups that were real good. I mean, they lost a ton the year before. Now you lose a ton of the NFL for the second year in a row. I've watched Clemson's recruiting and they've done well, but they're trouble on defense with their depth this year. It's going to take them another couple of years to build what they've lost with the NFL. That's why I don't have Clemson going to the playoff this year. That's why I don't have Clemson in the ACC this year is because I think they lose two or three ball games. And and I just think Auburn is a perfect time to, to get them. They're right for the picking. I'm just telling you, Jonathan, I know you, you think Clemson's better and everything, but after you watch Saturday night, I think you may change your mind a little bit. Well, I mean, there, there's always, you know, because here's where people need to remember, I'm a Florida State fan. I'm not an ACC fan. I know there are conference fans out there. Um, if Clemson were to lose to Auburn, I don't know too many people outside of Auburn fans that would be happier than me. I mean, let's, let's just be honest for a second. Uh, you know, I, I, I relish every time uh, an ACC opponent loses a game. Because uh, that's just one more step in Florida State's dominance of the conference, and it's one more step towards a little bit of a shaky culture on the other end. And and I, I you know, for Auburn to win that game, especially since you know, knowing you and Quinn, um, I've grown to uh, root for Auburn more than I have in the past. Um, definitely yeah. more. Uh, I mean, to be completely honest, I think the only time. Uh, I'm really, really rooted against Auburn. Was uh, well, the game. So yeah, <laughs> you know, you you, you I'm gonna tell you. you. I'm gonna tell you. This is not an upset. This won't be an upset. When Auburn beats Clemson in Jordan Air Stadium, that's not gonna be an upset, guys. When I mean, to me, it's not an upset with Auburn at night at home. I mean, this is a team that's recruited top ten talent. I know Watson's the best quarterback. But, again, 
This is not the same team as last year. This is not the same chemistry. They could beat us. Well, I'm not saying this for sure. But I think people are overlooking Auburn just a lot, which they usually do when Auburn has a great year. Auburn's usually in this position. Like when? When they're not getting any respect, yeah. nobody's talking about them, and all of a sudden they just start spanking people. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this. If Auburn wins next week, everyone better watch out. Because if Auburn wins, you said this doesn't mean that they'll win the national championship, but I firmly believe if they beat Clemson, they may trip them up along the way. They, but I think they get, they go like an 11-1 and one or 10-2. and two. Wow. I think if but they I mean, win, I think it means how the season will go. I think it's a good confidence boost to let everybody know that Auburn is a team to be reckoned with, but I don't think it has anything to do with the SEC. Yeah, I'll give them some confidence and, and everything like that. But, again, we don't know how good Clemson is going to be after all they lost. So, you don't want to get false hope after a win like that, but you also don't want to get down in the dumps after a loss like that the first game of the season because, again, it's a non-conference game. You're playing the number two team in America. So, if Auburn is to lose a close game, it's really not going to matter. What's going to matter is how they perform in the SEC and can they make that championship game and win, really. I mean, I know it sounds – and Jonathan, tell me if I'm wrong, but all Auburn really needs to do, honestly, is just be respectful be respectful in that game and not get blown out and keep it close and figure out I what agree. they're going to do the rest of the year. I agree. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is if uh... – if you look at the uh, – who did they open with last year? Louisville? Yeah. So, if you look at that Auburn – yeah, you look at that Auburn-Louisville game, and you saw how Louisville hung around, and they played Auburn tough. It was, it was and, I, nothing. and then and, and then Jeremy Johnson got choked in the locker room by Dick Williams at halftime, and things imploded. Lawson got hurt, too. Right, but I mean, you know, we we saw a little bit of team that even though they were down twenty four nothing, they came back and made that a flexible ball game. Um, you know, I think if Auburn can do the same thing, uh, you know, th- this is definitely uh, a case where you go, wait a minute, this is a team that we think can be better than expected. I mean, that's what you know when Louisville hung tight with Auburn, everybody went, wait a minute, a little bit better than we thought. You know, and, and Louisville didn't have the greatest year last year, don't get me wrong, but they wound up being a lot better team than a lot of people I think were anticipating to begin with. Yeah, and what Tarvin has said a lot is people don't understand what a night game at Jordan Harris like. And it's the first game of the season. Everyone's going to be pumped up, and it's going to be as loud as heck, especially if it's a close game. And it's going to get Deshaun Watson hell. The noise, the noise is going to be tough for him to call out plays. Yeah, and that offensive line is hard. How many false starts are we going to have to win in that game because of the lap? I wouldn't be shocked if they had a couple. Yeah, they'll have several. But it's a, again, it's a game. Sean Watson won week one, and uh, that's it. But I don't think that means really. I don't think it means a lot, really, of what's going on. Jonathan, I think I'm getting – let me mute you just for a second. I'm getting – that's a little better. I'm getting some background from your phone just a little bit. Just check on that for me real quick, if you don't mind. And uh, I just think it's going to be a good game. I think 
people are going to be surprised at what they see. Again, that's why preseason rankings should mean nothing when it comes to football. You just don't know what – you look at what teams have coming back, that's a good start. But, again, if you're Clemson right now, Quinn, you have to be – you have to be very worried that your first game is really against a team that has nothing to lose if you think about it. I mean, if you think about it, Auburn is in a, a win-win situation as long as they play well and, and don't do it. But personally, this game, they could be over for them. This season could be over. Where Auburn's got several opportunities to win, you know, to win SEC games and to get better. Clemson loses to Auburn, I just don't know. Especially if they lose to Florida State, it's over. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, it'll be it'll be tough to rebound, especially when they're coming off the season they had last year, and then just barely lost the national championship game. I think, I think they expect a lot of themselves, and it and it can maybe take the wind out of their sails if if they lose that well, first game. Well, let's look at let's look at Auburn's 2013 season. They went to the national championship. They lost in a heartbreaking fashion, similar to Clemson, you know, lost to Alabama. The next year they came out and Auburn finished, what, 8-5 is what they went that year. So just because you have a great quarterback coming back doesn't mean that you're going to have some Ws in the column, Jonathan. Oh, I agree 100% with that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I talked about it with uh, one of my buddies at University of Michigan, and uh, we, were, we were discussing uh, Auburn, and he said, it, you know, doesn't Auburn usually, whenever, you know, there's not high expectations for them, that uh, they tend to do their best. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's pretty much how it works. You know, whenever people don't think that Auburn's going to make a run, they make a run. Uh, so, you know, I think if you, you look at Auburn this year as a team, obviously that it's still very dangerous, a team that recruits uh, with the best of them, no doubt about that. One of um, 13 teams that Bud Elliott over at SB Nation said has the talent to win a national title. Um, and so I, I, don't, I think that's something that everyone needs to pay attention to, you know, make sure they realize that Auburn's a very talented football team. It's all about whether or not they can get a good quarterback play. And this is a year where I think Gus figures it out, and uh, they they put together something. Um, you know, consider last year was a rough year with a bump in the road. You know that it, it happens. You know, there's not much you can do about it. I have a question, Jonathan. All right, go ahead. Why did you have in your little conference prediction stuff? Why did you have Mississippi State finishing ahead of Auburn? Well, it, it was funny. So I, I was looking at trends, uh, and, and you know, my whole thing is with SEC West. You can take those last those four teams, Mississippi State, Auburn, and in Arkansas, and I think you can almost interchange them. Uh, to be honest, because I think they're all four right now on the same playing level. Now, Mississippi State is a team. That, that I looked at their schedule, I looked at how their seasons usually go, and I gave them an edge here or there in certain games. Um, I want to say that the way that their track record is with Auburn, and this is actually the year they should beat Auburn, um, you know, uh, you know, Mississippi State, again, that's a, that's a talented team. Yeah, they lost Dak Prescott, quarterback, but Dan Mullins did a pretty darn good job of finding guys 
and putting the team together. Um, it's it's a team, Mississippi State, that I, I respect a lot. But net net, at the end of the day, I think yeah. you could swap out any four of those teams with where they stand. With Auburn, to be completely honest, with Auburn being the only one I think that could make a bigger run than any of those other ones. They're, they're, I have tiers set up in each each division, each conference, and Auburn's one of those fringe teams to where it's either they can make a run up or they can kind of stay put. And they have five teams. They have five games. They have five games at home in a row, which is, to me, huge. Because you get to find out who you are before you have to go out on that road. And, and you know, A&M's a beatable opponent. LSU's a beatable opponent in Auburn. Arkansas State's a good opponent. They're beatable. Clemson's beatable. Um, four and one after that five-game stretch or five and oh would be good. Cuervo thinks in the chat room that Auburn loses by 40 to Clemson, Quinn. What do you think about that? We'll see. (laughs) I love when people say that. I would rather people saying that Auburn's going to lose by 40 than win the game. So, I mean, we'll see see next Saturday. Cuervo's never been to a game in Auburn, has he? He has has never sat where I've sat. Probably not 50-yard line VIP, of course, but... uh, that's where I'll be smoking, smoking a stogie, watching an ass whipping, whether it be ours or theirs. I don't know. We're gonna find out. <laughs> We're gonna find out one way or the other. Um, let's move on to some other game. I mean, these Georgia fans are insane right now. It seems like they're starting the, the freshman Eason at quarterback, Jonathan. But yet, I'm talking to, on Twitter. You've seen the messages with the Georgia recruiting guy coming on there, like they're going to kill North Carolina. North Carolina's terrible. They can't stop the run. Well, yeah, that was Chubb was healthy last year until he wasn't. But a freshman quarterback going against a, a divisional champion in North Carolina in the neutral side, I, I like North Carolina to win this game. Am I crazy? Because people think I'm crazy, but I think North Carolina beats Georgia, Jonathan. I, I really do. I'm not just saying that. Well, if we learned anything from uh, that uh, North Carolina's bowl game against Baylor is that they can't stop the run, uh, I think they'll have a hard time with the run against uh, against Georgia. Now, the whole thing is, well, they'll just put eight in the box and make them throw. Okay. I mean, you know, because my thing with Easton is, you know, a lot of people seem to forget this. His daddy was Tony. Uh, Tony was starting quarterback for the Patriots for a good while. You know, I mean, you can't have, you know, better quarterback coaches than when your daddy actually played in the NFL and was moderately successful. You can't judge North Carolina off that bowl game last year. Come on now. I mean, you, you can't. You can't say they can't stop the run because – of they they gave up that to Baylor. I mean, and, to me, you can't. Um, yeah, well, and Baylor plays a different style. So yeah, a lot different well, style. I mean, I just I just hate when people. I just hate like Georgia fans are using that exact logic, and to me, it's a new season. It's like it's like you can't look at everything Auburn did last year for this year. You can't look at everything Clemson did, but North Carolina, in their mind, they're going to be the best team at stopping the run. Georgia's not some powerhouse. Let's let's forget. Let's not forget they're not some Alabama or LSU running the football. They have Nick Chubb, but again, how healthy is he? How's he going to be returning from injury? That's why that's the question. I mean, I know they have good running backs and everything, but that offensive line, 
How many are they returning, Jonathan? How many starters is Georgia returning off the offensive line? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, but that concerns me. I mean, it's not a foregone conclusion that Georgia is going to beat the piss out of a sorry North Carolina team in their eyes. They they lost their left tackle, their right guard. That's all they've lost. And they lost a receiver. And McKin- Let's say they lost uh, a receiver. They have Chubb coming back. They do have a great tight end I like. But their defense, they've lost their whole front seven. Everybody's gone from this team. And they do have a good secondary now. They do have uh, Malcolm Parrish, Aaron Davis, Dominic Sanders, Quincy Mogger, Rico McGraw is a good one, Reggie Wilkerson. But, again, this is the first game of the season, Johnson. I just don't think – I'm just trying to go to North Carolina. But wasn't it their last three games they gave up all those yards? I mean, how many did they give up to Clemson in the uh, – ACC championship game. I know that's factored into it, but Baylor, oh, Clemson, oh, wow. those are those are two phenomenal teams right there. And then it was, um, I think well, it was Baylor. Did, Baylor was on like their four string quarterback. They were essentially running a wing option, uh, wing option offense. I mean, my thing with North Carolina too is they're breaking in a new quarterback as well. So you know, yeah. I, I expect this game to be tightly contested. I expect this one to actually be a pretty fun game to watch. I think both defenses. Uh, we'll have their moments. I think there's going to be multiple turnovers, um, probably on both sides, to be completely honest. Um, you know, but I, I just think with uh, with Jacob Eason, I, I think, uh, you know, with, with this kid, I'm not ready to kill him yet, and he's not going up against the toughest team in the world. Uh, and I think that's his advantage. And, you know, yeah, Chubb might not be 100%, but Sony Michel is. And Sony Michel's pretty darn good. Uh, so I think George is going to be able to run the football a little bit on this team and maybe work some play action, open things up. Uh, but in all honesty, I think whoever gets a defensive or special team score is probably going to win this game. I honestly think that's what it's going to come down to. Which defense gets a pick six uh, or a punt return for a touchdown? I think that's what's going to actually separate these two teams in that game. Yeah. You know who their defensive coordinator is, Gene Chizik, and he's He's very good as a, as a coordinator, especially when he has time to prepare. And they've had a lot of time to prepare for this game. And I, I think NC beats them. And it, it puts people – I'm not saying that Georgia's going to be dogs this year. I mean, they are dogs. But, you know, they're not winning the East. We know that. We know Tennessee's going to win that. But I just can't wait to North Carolina beats these fools. And uh, Cuervo has a question in the chat room for Quinn and us about – what what do we know? He says everybody but Quinn. He doesn't want Quinn's opinion. He says, uh, "What do you think of Texas's chances against Notre Dame?" Um, my opinion is, I think Texas has a good shot to beat Notre Dame. Uh, Jonathan, I don't think Texas has a snowball's chance in hell. You know, I, I know <laughs> there's this whole Texas recruits really well, no doubt about it. They're looking at a freshman quarterback too. You know, I mean, if we're gonna knock somebody, we 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 got we gotta knock every every party here. Are they looking at a knock Quinn over here? Let's, I'm trying to knock Quinn <laughs> over here. <laughs> well, here's the thing with Notre Dame. Defensively, where are they at? They lost a lot of talent, no doubt about it. Offensively, you lost Fuller, who was clearly your best receiver. Uh, you're gonna try and juggle two quarterbacks. You know, uh, you know, I, I your best running back was a wide out, um, and I won't say he's going to pro size. So I think if if you look at Notre Dame, they've got a lot of questions to answer as well. 
But I give them such a big edge in the quarterback position that I think that they should win this game and they should win this game walking away from it. Now, here's the thing, though. If Texas wins that game, watch out. Something might have finally done clicked because this is a game that last year you knew they were losing. I mean, they lost to Cal last year. Come on now. You know, so if Texas can go ahead and get out the gate and beat Notre Dame, that is such a huge momentum booster. And, and with Texas saying, you know, I mean, tech, uh, TCU starting um, Kenny Hill, we don't really know what to expect there. Um, with uh, Baylor with their issues at quarterback, uh, well, with their whole team, to be honest, we don't know what to expect. Seth Russell's come back from a broken neck. He ain't got a back up. When is the when is the Texas game? Is that Saturday or is that on a Friday? That's Sunday. That, that's a Sunday game. They got the day all to themselves. And that's in Texas, right? Yeah. That's a tough yeah. one. I mean, I'm not saying I think Texas has a chance to win that game, Quinn. I'm not saying yeah. they will, but I think they yeah, have a I chance because they're at home. Yeah. Yep. Hey, Notre Dame's only a three-point favorite in this game, if that tells you anything. But, again, it's in Texas. That game is in Texas. Um, I think Notre Dame will pull it out. But, again, Texas is coming into this season 0-0. They think they have a shot to be very good. Until they get their head beat in, they're they're going to think that. Any team is. All these teams yeah. think they got a shot until they don't have a shot anymore. But, I think Notre Dame's just a little too talented. I mean, Texas, Jonathan, they do recruit pretty good, but I think Notre Dame's recruiting classes have been better over the past few years, don't you think? Yeah, Notre Dame's done an excellent job of recruiting. There, There is definitely uh, no doubt about that. Now, uh, give me one second. I'm going to pull up. And Jonathan, I wanted to – I wanted to – the big – the big question marks for me is the defense and wide receivers. At mm-hmm. running back, Josh Adams, Josh Adams last year ran really well. And then Folston, who got injured, Folston got injured mm-hmm. early on, which had ProSize really come in. But both Adams, Adams and Folston are both really well. I think Adams ran for about 800 yards last year, splitting carries with, Precise. So, at right. running back, they're set at wide receiver is the big question because they lost Fuller and then Robinson stopped playing football. So that's where the big question mark is: is how they're going to do. Right. I mean, you know, if you look at it as far as uh, you know, I'm going to go back to this. Um, you know, Bud Elliott with his blue chip ratio. Texas came in at 13. They're actually the lowest team that's ratio is uh, positive um, uh, above um, uh, 0.5, which 0.5 and above is uh, usually what a national title uh, winner uh, has, actually, ever since this has been kept track of, every national title winner has been above a 0.5. So if you look at this 13, Notre Dame comes in at number five. That's a team that's recruited insanely well. The only teams ahead of them are Alabama, USC, Ohio State, and LSU. Now, USC, uh, their their ratio, because of the sanctions, will come off a little skewed because they weren't taking full classes. They were they had stupid good classes. They were just 13 guys, 15 guys. So, 
you know, when you look at the blue chip ratio uh, and you look at the 13 teams that make it, you know, Notre Dame being number five, it's a team that recruits about as well as you can get. And I think this yeah. is uh, this Notre Dame team, if, if they figure out those positions, this is a team that could make a good run. And not only that, they have to – I mean, you have to make great. You have to be smart to play at Notre Dame. I mean, you can't you can't be some guy that can't read and and get into Notre Dame like some of these other SEC schools SEC schools have, and they they put them in there and the guy can't even write his name and it's sad. But Notre Dame, you have to you have to take a full class load. Stanford, you know, you got to have a lot of respect for these schools. Duke, where you have to actually go to class and you have to actually be a student athlete. So. Brian Kelly is probably one of the best coaches in America, and he shows it on the field. He shows the recruiting in every aspect. I still don't know why he's not in NFL coaching, but I think he will be soon. But let's move on real quick. Uh, Alabama Southern Cal, Saturday night. And, Jonathan, I haven't left you out yet, buddy. We're going to talk about Florida State. I'm saving the best for last, okay? (laughs) So don't don't worry. So, so, So don't worry about that. Alabama. USC, and I think I think Vegas has missed this as well. There's a ten and a half point spread in this game. Alabama's favored. I look at USC, and I see talent. I see a team that that can score. They're going to be fresh. They're not going to be beat up or anything. Alabama's still trying to decide on the quarterback, replacing their center, replacing their backfield, replacing a lot on defense. I just think, and and it's not, and again, I, I I'm not a Bama fan, so so please take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But I'm giving you the the way I honestly feel about it. I think Alabama's vulnerable in this first week. I'm not saying they lose. I'm just saying you have to be careful with games like this because Southern Cal for so long was one of the best. I mean, they they recruit better than just about anybody. Now all of a sudden they get a chance to play an SEC school, and they usually do pretty well, Jonathan, against the SEC. Ask Auburn, ask other teams that's played them. Uh, Southern Cal's coming in there with a with the, every intention of winning that football game. I know I don't know what you think about it, but you know, first first team uh, USC matches up very well with them. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to sleep on USC yet. I'm still kind of waiting for uh, them as a program to. Uh, to make to make a run uh, because they recruit so well, they can dominate their their market. So, lo- looking at this team, looking at this game, USC decided on a quarterback already. They got weapons all over the place. Uh, defensively, you know, we're gonna have to find out. That's always been the biggest question about Pac-12 schools. Alabama, <laughs> defensively, that's gonna be a good defense no matter who, however you look at it. Let's let's just be honest. Alabama can put together a good defense um, with all the four and five stars they get. Offensively, a new center, a new backfield, and we don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. If they're going to start Cooper Bateman, oh, Lordy, Lord. I, I, from what I mean, that they whole last game last year, oh, Lord. They I are. mean, continue, here's my thing. There's, a, there's all the buzz around Jalen Hurts right now. And apparently this kid's done a phenomenal job. He's winning over the team and the coaches and, and the media and everybody. Coop Bateman comes out and throws an egg in the first quarter like he did against Ole Miss last year. 
you're going to see Saban pull him quicker than he did against Ole Miss last year. Guaranteed right. I ain't going to waste with three interceptions. Well, think so, about it. Think about it. They lost everybody on the offensive line with the exception of Cam Robinson. That's it. I mean, they mm-hmm. lost that in their entire backfield and their quarterback. So do you, do you want to put a freshman quarterback in with that and destroy his confidence right off the bat? I think they're going to have to use the freshman in this game, but not starting. But that's what I'm trying to tell people. Open your damn eyes up and look mm-hmm. at what's around you and quit listening to Paul Feinbaum. That, that, that's what I'm trying to get people to, to start forming opinions on your own instead of listening to a bald-headed freak that looks like Smeagol off Lord of the Rings talk about football. <laughs> this never played a down in his life of anything. All he does is sit over there and take these redneck inbred sister and brother screwing people and, and listen to them talk about how good Alabama is. They're yeah. a very talented is, team. They're, yeah. Go ahead, Quinn. This is how Don't interrupt I think me ever again or I'll kill you. I think it's gonna <laughs> I think I think the first half gonna be a really close game, but I think in the second half uh second part of the third quarter from then on I think I think Alabama's just gonna take over. I wouldn't be shocked if even USC had the lead at halftime by like three or seven points. But then I think in the yeah, second half is when is when that Bama. Yeah, they got they got their entire offensive line returning. USC does. They've got their tight end back. Max Brown's going to be the quarterback. Justin Davis back at running back. They've got five or six defensive players back. And let's look at last year's schedule. They at the games they lost. They lost to Stanford forty-one to thirty-one. I mean, they put up thirty-one points on the um, average Stanford team at that time. Stanford turned out to be a lot better. They lost to Washington seventeen to twelve. They lost to Notre Dame 31 to 41. They lost to Oregon 28 to 48. They lost to Stanford in the title game 22 to 41, and then Wisconsin 23 to 21. But I just look at their wins last year at Arizona State 42 to 14. Utah, remember what they did to Utah guys from Utah? What was they, Jonathan? Was was it Utah like in the top two or three? And USC destroyed them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Arizona. Arizona. What I'm saying is they beat UCLA forty to twenty one. This team is capable. And we've got Jason yeah, Humphrey sure. on the line. The the Pac twelve expert here. And Jason, um, do you think USC has a chance to beat Alabama? I mean, this team on paper looks pretty good to me. And I think everybody's pumping up Alabama just a little too much off tradition and recruiting right now. Well, yeah, I I agree with both of those statements, but USC is very talented. But the USC quarterback, Max Browning, yes, he is talented, but he's making the first um, NCAA start um, of his life. Um, And Alabama, one thing you could guarantee about Alabama, their defense will bring the wood every single play. And it's going to be interesting if Bama's going to miss Kobe Smart as a D.C. But USC has the talent to be out of Bama, but are they? That's the question. We saw that a lot last year. Yes, you could be headed for quarter. That's all fun and dandy, but winning the game is a whole other level. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm not saying that. 
the Southern Cal is probably going to win. I'm not trying to say that. I think they can win. But I just think hold your horses just a little bit on Alabama. Like, they're number one. Again, it's like it's kind of a setup game in a way. You got Alabama vulnerable because of what they lost, the same as Clemson to me. Mm-hmm. And yes, they, they recruited well. They played the championship last year. But you have a USC team that is pissed off. They've been playing football eight or nine wins. They've been right there. And this is a team that fares well against SEC opponents. When When's the last SEC team to beat USC? Can anybody tell me? Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I don't I, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. it was like Florida in the 80s. And history, I mean, I saw Auburn come in, you know, to the jungle, uh, 3 at 2.30 central time kickoff, and we lost 22 to nothing or something like that to Southern Cal the year they went on and won the championship. The year before, we we lost 28 to 21 in Southern Cal, but we were supposed to beat them both times, and we didn't. Um, I know Tennessee, I think it was, who was it out that played USC? I'm trying to think. Arkansas. Other SEC. Arkansas. Arkansas got just mm-hmm. gold drive. Oh, they got I mean, God, it. Was, that was a brutal game. It was game. embarrassing. But, but what I'm saying is this is a chance. All these guys that are on USC's team, they've been offered by Alabama. They've been offered by Florida, Florida State, some of the big teams, Notre Dame. But they they chose to stay home or, or come to Southern Cal. They're very talented. And this coach has something to prove. I mean, he's got something to prove. The offensive coordinator, T. Martin, he knows all about Alabama. He's played in the SEC. He's a Tennessee grad. But Clay Helton, this is a chance for him. I mean, if you look at it, this is a chance for him to make a mark. They lost three out of their last four last year. But before that, they had a four-game winning streak. But, again, this is not eight or nine games into the season. This is the first game. And conditioning is not going to really be that important, I don't think, in a dome. It's going to be fun to see. I mean, all these games are intriguing. There's nothing you can look at and just as a foregone conclusion that somebody's going to win in these big games. And I think that's what's what? exciting about it is, is, is we sit here, Jonathan, and we can pick either team to win a game. And that's got to get you pretty excited for week one. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, ESPN's been hyping it as uh, the best opening weekend ever. And that, that's always a nice thing. I mean, I look at the Alabama-USC game. And if I'm Alabama, to be completely honest, I'll start Jalen Hurts because of his his ability to run. Because USC, the whole front seven's green, except for uh, the middle linebacker Cameron Smith, the one who had the three Cameron, interceptions yeah. against Utah. Um, yeah, their secondary's Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, their secondary at USC, Adoree Jackson and Iman Marshall, are were definitely – two of the most talented corners when they came out. I still think these guys are pretty good. I don't know how much you really want to test them. So I think you go after the green. I think you say, you know what, our hogs up front, um, let, let, let's get at it, let's run this football. If we can't run the ball, we have to change it up. But, I, I, you know, that, that's just how I look at it. I think if Alabama's going to win this game, they're going to have to run for over 200 yards. There's no doubt about that. If they don't hit that 200-yard mark, it's going to be a dogfight. But you're running, you say those hogs and everything, but these are inexperienced guys as well. You know, they're, but Alabama's good. And every time we, we think Alabama's ready for a fall, guess what? They they answer the call and they beat the brakes off somebody. That's how it's been. But 
I see something brewing in this game. I just see it being very close. I see it being a close game. Quinn may be right that USC leads at halftime and Alabama pulls away. Uh, Cuervo seems to think in the chat room that that Bama wins by 17. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, I mean, if, if Bama did. But when you're breaking in a new quarterback, Jason, you're breaking in a new backfield, you're breaking in a new offensive line in the front seven, I mean, there's question marks. And you lose Kirby. I don't, I don't think people even talk about the loss of Kirby Smart and those other coaches. I, I just think, you know, having that consistent, mm-hmm. consistency there year in and year out is huge. Now all of a sudden Jason Kirby Smart's gone and a lot of shakeup. I mean, I just see a vulnerable upset here. I see a team that could be vulnerable early in the season. Yeah, there, there is a vulnerable upset. And, and what people don't realize is losing a coordinator, you, you bring in somebody new or somebody gets promoted, um, it's it's a different voice. And how is the players going to respond to that voice? Is it going to be well? Are they going to be confused and whatnot? And people forget Alabama is going to have a brand-new backfield. Um, brand-new running back, brand-new quarterback. It's going to be interesting. Um, if this game's close, look for the upset. If Alabama wins, I think it's going to be a late touchdown to make it a bigger margin. But i like USC to cover the 10 points for sure. Yeah, I'm taking the 10 and running with it. Jonathan, have you placed any bets yet? Uh, no, no, I have not. I've uh, I've gone ahead and just taken my time and, and hung out and wanted to make sure I got all my, my research done before I even mm. dove in to yeah. what I was thinking. Well, you're talking to the number one prognosticator in the United States of America, Tarvino. <laughs> All you got to do is ask me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Now, this this game kind of concerns me a little bit. Like, the A&M and UCLA game, where's this game being played at, guys? Is it, is, is it in College Station? It's in or A&M. It in new... Yeah, College Station. See, I just think, I know it's uh, College Station's a tough place. I like UCLA in this game, and maybe I'm crazy. I'm just maybe I'm a Pac-12 homer, Jason. Maybe having you on the show has made me a Pac-12 homer, but I'm just not liking a lot of the SEC teams, the matchups in this in this first week. I think UCLA can come in. They're a physical bunch. Of, they're a physical bunch. They can they can run the football. They've got a great coach. Um, they kind of under underperformed a little bit, but eight returning starters on defense. But the question is, can UCLA run the ball well enough? On A and M, that's their weakness. They can't stop the run. But UCLA lost two offensive linemen, or well, three, excuse me, three, and a running back. They still have Rosen at quarterback, but can they go into A and M, Jason, and upset A and M? I think that's possible. If you look at um, an LA team giving them win in the Texas, um, UCLA probably has the best bet. UCLA was decimated with injuries last year. Um, everybody's obviously healthy now, and that just creates that Josh Rosen is probably the best quarterback coming back from the pack. So um, they got to slow down to Garrett. Um, if Garrett gets a lot of sacks, a lot mm-hmm. of pressures, 
A&M could be in that ball game. Um, how is A&M going to move the ball with Kenny Hill or Kenny Trill, whatever you want to call well, him? So Kenny Trill's not there anymore. Yeah, it's Trevor Knight now. Oh, yeah, Trevor Knight. Oops, my bad. Remember remember so, that first game they said he'd go win the Heisman and then he sucked the rest of the year? That was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, against he trademarked, Carolina, he yeah. trademarked the name Kenny Trill and then he – he gets drilled up the butt and sent back to another school. But uh, but anyway, I think it's going to be a good game. That's a, that's one on my well, radar. I'm gonna have, my DVR is going to have to be empty going into Saturday because I'm going to Auburn and I can't miss these games. I mean, I'll be tailgating, watching some of them and everything. But let's go to Thursday night. If I could, if I could say one quick thing, everybody talks about Mark Alberts. He has to perform. I think Jim Moore has to perform in UCLA. He's had a lot of talented teams, but no Pac-12 title yet. Um, his seat could be won if UCLA fails to meet expectations. Yeah, well, thank you for that, Jason. That's a that's a good analysis right there. Um, but Thursday night, I'm gonna give you an upset right here, guys. I think uh, what is uh, Hold on, I lost my place on my game. Tennessee's playing Appalachian State, right? That's who they're playing. Yeah. But um, I think Appalachian State pulls the upset. What do y'all think? Whoa. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Come on. I'm just playing with Clairvo in the chat room in there. Now, Tennessee, guys, listen to me on this game. Take the 20 points. Don't, don't take Tennessee in that game. Tennessee's going to win, but Look at that schedule they've got in the first half of the season compared to the second half. I just want to throw that out there to people. If you're going to put money on Tennessee based off being in the top ten and everything, this is the wrong team to do it against. Tennessee's a 20-point favorite. Take Appalachian State in the 20. Tennessee does not run the score up on these out-of-conference opponents like this early in the season, especially when you've got to keep people fresh. You've, you've got your toughest opponents yet to come. I'm telling you, yeah. Jonathan. This is one and go in and put your quarter on Appalachian. Yeah, they're pretty good. They beat Michigan a long time ago, but but uh, I just want to throw that out there and let's see what Cuervo has to say. Jonathan, are you in the chat room? Can you see what Cuervo has to say when he when he uh, when he responds? He'll probably say Tennessee by sixty, but it's not going to happen. And another <laughs> barn burner, guys. Get 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 excited about this game. I mean, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. Is there a possibility of having two crappier teams play each other at the same time in the SEC than this game? South Carolina Vanderbilt. This is going to be uh, a six to three game. Uh, go under the forty three, and trust me on that one. This is a gift from Vegas to you and from me. There's ne- neither one of these teams will be able to score a touchdown, and um, it's going to be uh, Vanderbilt's got one of the best defenses in the country. Will Muschamp is not a head coach in South Carolina's hot garbage, Jonathan. So I'm taking Vandy and the under in a two-team parlay in this one. Yeah, I, I, I've been going back and forth on who I think is going to win that game. I'm I'm really thinking it's going to be Vanderbilt. Um, I just have a laugh when I look at, uh, at, at this schedule, and it's like ESPN really hitches their wagon to uh, – South Carolina playing Thursday night games. 
So to me, it's really funny to open the year. The ESPN game yeah. first one is going to be uh, South Carolina Vanderbilt. Like, why? Why does anybody want to watch you, that? You remember, you remember, trash. Hey, you, you remember what happened last time they opened up on Thursday night, don't you? <laughs> oh, they oh, got good job. Drug by A and M when they got beat so bad their their mama didn't recognize them when they got home. Well, hold on. Last year they opened up on a Thursday night, and somehow I still think he was on the take. Uh, North South Carolina, oh, yeah, North, North Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Mar- right. Marquise Williams throwing three interceptions in the end zone because you know that's what uh, you know a quarterback that wants to win the game does. <laughs> just, just let me just shiftily yeah. look around. You know, let's see how much he. I mean, come on, man. You know, so I he he. You know, he caused North Carolina a chance to be undefeated going to that Clemson game and really having a shot to be in the playoffs. Um, so, you know, I, I I just think that today it's just what a trash, trash performance that game's going to be. Vanderbilt's terrible. South Carolina's terrible. I, I mean, 6-3 to three might be generous, Brian. I think that game might end 2 nothing. It could be. It could be worse than that 3-2 Auburn-Mississippi State game that year. Um, it, it's bad. I mean, these two offenses. I mean, Florida almost lost to Vanderbilt. Should have lost to Vanderbilt last year. And this Vanderbilt yeah. team couldn't get a first down to save their life. Uh, but let, here's a big game we haven't talked about yet. LSU and Wisconsin, that game at Lambeau Field. Wisconsin going to get pounded by Fournette. And I think, honestly think LSU's quarterback has a good game in this one. I think the over is the play. Um, LS, well, no, I'm sorry. The under is a play in LSU. I think LSU wins something like 27 to 10 in this game. I think they win by 17. LSU is going to open it up with Fournette and that quarterback. What's his name? The quarterback slipped my mind. Slipped my mind. Brandon Harris. Yes, I think. Is it not? Is it Brandon Harris? Yeah, that's right. I think he has a good game. I think he has a better game after this is his third year now. I think he comes in and plays well. LSU's a team that some people think can win the SEC, and I'm right there with them, except there's one problem. I think Tennessee's better. Um, But LSU could easily win that Western division right there. And Wisconsin, I just don't think they're as good as they have been in years past, Jonathan. I think – and then we'll go to Quinn on that. Give me your take on this game. I I just look at a Wisconsin team that's really outmanned. And yes, they do play physical, or they do play teams tough like this. But I think LSU is just stacked with talent everywhere on that field, and I think Wisconsin's going to get beat up pretty bad. <laughs> and, and Alabama beat them up. You know, they, it's just it's going to be a repeat of that game. Yeah, I mean, my my thing, if I'm looking uh, at this, I think it's going to be something like seventeen ten at a halftime. And then LSU is going to win like forty-five ten. I really, I mean, you know, I, I think LSU is just going to run them. I think they're going to run them out the park. It's going to be a slow start, and then boom, Fournette's going to have two hundred plus. Yeah. I think Harris is going to have a couple a big touchdown passes. Yeah, I, I mean, LSU. I don't think Wisconsin's a match for them. I think Wisconsin takes a big step back this year. I agree. I agree, and they, you know, losing their coach. Quinn has really hurt them over the past few years. I don't think people realize how good he was as a coach. He's actually doing a great job at Arkansas, but 
this Wisconsin team, the thing about it is they can't recruit anymore. I mean, they, they just can't recruit. They don't have those four- and five-star players on this team. I know people, you know, you hear Wisconsin, you think tough, grind it out, beat you in the last seconds, but LSU is going to skull drag Wisconsin. Yeah, I'd Both agree. Race, I pistol th- whip, sons of anarchy, whatever you want to call them. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I think LSU wins like twenty-seven ten, like you said. Yeah, I just, I just, I don't think Wisconsin has the talent to match up with LSU. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, so I want to bring this up real quick before I forget. Jonathan, what's your floor, what's your strength and conditioning coach doing? Getting hammered at the office and then driving it and passing out of the stop sign or whatever. What's going on in Tallahassee? Is Jimbo working him that much where he's got to get drunk it, in the office? It it must have uh it must have been a long day. I, I don't <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know I mean look Coach, Coach Vic is is loved and respected uh at uh at Florida State, no doubt about that. Um and uh I just uh yeah, it's obviously it, something that we didn't need. I heard it blew that breathalyzer. I heard it blew it up. I heard it blew the breathalyzer up. <laughs> yeah, uh, drink multiple big alcoholic beverages. Uh, acknowledge that he should not have been driving. Um, At least he owned he up ma- to it. I mean, wow, he, he blew a point one two four, guys. He blew a point one two four. Wow. I remember um, one night I drove home when I was a teenager so drunk because the only way I made it home was by the grace of God. There's, that's the only way. I will, uh, have you ever seen Ted 2, the movie? Yeah. You remember when he was driving, smoking that cigarette, listening, swerving all around the road, and he ends up jumping, going off the road, ended up in a barn? That's how I was that night. That's how I looked like driving on the roads, I bet. But, you know, we've all made mistakes. We've all been there, and and you know I'm just tired of people. Just every time somebody makes a mistake, they just they're just there to jump on them, you know, and be the judge and the jury. There's not a person listening to this show, on this show right now that that could not have had a DUI at one point or another in their life. Am I wrong, Quinn? You may be the only I, one, but you said you smoke pot all the time. So I I I'm don't asking. I don't I don't have a driver's license, so. Yeah, I would. I don't have the opportunity to do something like that. You don't have a. You don't. How old are you? I'm 21. Why don't you have a driver's license? Well, since my epilepsy, and then my my reaction time is very very bad because I got permanent brain damage from birth, and so it's just. It's just a big risk factor if I were to drive and I got in an accident or something and I could have a seizure or to, something like I'm that. I'm sorry to hear about that. I'm sorry to hear about it's that, buddy. Good. I can't wait I can't wait to meet you at the game Saturday. We're gonna have to make sure make sure you send me your uh tech or your phone number, your cell phone number and I'll text you where I'm at. But before the All game right. and uh, I don't I don't I don't know your plans. What are your plans before the game? Where are you gonna be? I'm not really sure. 
my aunt I'll knows be, all uh, that information. I'll be close to the I'll be close to the basketball uh the new gymnasium okay. and we'll call over in there at the tailgate. That's where I'll be um at the tailgate. Then I'll go in two and a half hours before kickoff and uh get ready to watch that game and have some fun. Man, Jonathan College is back, man. College football. Even though your team, just say if you lose the first game, it sucks and all, but you know what? College football is back. Saturdays have sucked for a long time, man. There's nothing on. I watch Remember the Titans and stuff like that that's on every weekend. or thinking, But it's back. Whether your team's good or bad, I can endure it because, you know, it's better than watching Brokeback Mountain, you know, watching watching football. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm excited. I mean, you know, um, I don't know how many I'll watch, but Charleston Southern and North Dakota State played a heck of a game last night. And, um, yes, you know, the, the the Hawaii Cal game didn't really have a good feel to it, and there are multiple reasons behind that. Um, thanks, ESPN, for really butchering that broadcast. But uh, that North Dakota State-Charleston oh, Southern game was a great broadcast. It was a great game. And that, that, was, that, that was that moment where you're like, Oh crap! It's really back. Like football is back, y'all. <laughs> you know that th- this is like you know, the only game for a couple of days, but it's back. I mean, come on now, let's get ready. Let's get psyched. And I'll tell you, and I'll tell you this: that that the, my love for the NFL has grown so much over the past few years since I've met Cuervo and Sonny, and and they do talk shows on that, and and just Cam Newton, you know, of course, one of the reasons. But I mean, just because your college team may not have a great year, your NFL team could. So I mean it's it's just fun knowing that Saturday's all day football, Sunday all day football. You have Monday night football, you have Thursday night football, you have I mean Friday night football. It's just football. My wife told me, you know, Thursday night we say goodbye to each other until January probably, February. I mean we say goodbye until our baby's here. You know, it's um that's the next time I'll see her. You know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> That's football. I have a man. I have a. I have a man cave down here, and it's not the. It's not the. Uh, it's not the biggest TV. It's about a close to a fifty inch in the man cave. I can deal with that, but it's my cave, and it's where I can watch my football games. And I'm just glad it's back. You know, whether it's Notre Dame, Texas playing, whether it's I don't care who's playing. But um, let's move on to Miami real quick before we get into the Florida State Ole Miss game. Miami dismissed two starters and another guy. I can't remember his name. I don't know if you guys saw this. Committed yesterday with a video. He had a Miami shirt on, and then he picks up a Florida um, piece of paper or something. But Mark Rick is not playing around, is he? Is he, Jonathan? I know Miami's and they're not very good. They have a great quarterback. But I think Mark Rick's trying to clean this program up. Al Golden, they said, was going to clean it up. He didn't clean it up. I still think they're trying. Well, from what I understand, Mark Rick actually didn't have any say in whether or not the players uh, got dismissed or not. That was a school decision. Um, And it was mainly so that the NCAA could see them doing this so they wouldn't uh, face any punishment. Um, Miami couldn't have worse one-two punch. You lose two defensive starters, including one of your probably your best defensive mm. player in uh, Muhammad, and then you have the kid um, wearing a Miami shirt, commits the University of Florida, 
I mean, ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I have and a question it's funny. for you. Yeah. Will, will Miami have more points in the first game or more fans in the first game? Oh. Oh. Why are you ask me hard ones like that? Let's see. Who is Miami playing week one? Miami is blessed with... Probably Sneed State Community College. Uh, Here we go. They are playing Florida A&M. So... Oh, my God. Yeah, they're going to have 32 people there. Yeah, yeah, they're they're probably going to score more points. A funny side note, Miami had a scrimmage. Where they're you know they're practicing getting ready for Florida A and M, so Mark Rick has the starters against the backups. Okay, uh, the backups are Florida A and M, and they were spotted a twenty eight point lead. Mark Rick wouldn't give the score, but Florida A and M quote unquote won the game. Miami was driving for a touchdown. Taya threw a pick six, and everybody said, "Well, you know, how can we tell what what the score was?" And the response was. Well, if they had scored there, they would have had to kick an onside kick to get the ball back to try and tie the game. So that tells me they lost by three. Th- so essentially, you outscored the backups by one touchdown. Kaya, from what I understand, threw three interceptions. It was a very bad scrimmage all the way around. So everybody wants to blow smoke up Miami and say that they're back. <laughs> and we've been hearing this since 2006 that Miami's back. Miami ain't back, y'all. They ain't back. They ain't close to being back. Right, they, they they ain't coming back. Florida State owns Miami, and they're gonna own Miami for a long time. And I don't want to hear none of this whole. When Miami's they don't back, win. when they're back, they'll have people in the stands, right? That's when all the bandwagon people come. That's Miami fans. They're bandwagon fans. They're fair weather fans. Quinn and I, Auburn's three and nine. We go to the games. We still support Auburn. Miami fans, unless they're playing for a championship, they don't even show up. <laughs> And that's the I band mean, I can't stand. That, that's how like, it's been. They're like, I'd rather be at the beach if well, we're not playing well, Hold on, we, we got 15 minutes left. we got to talk Florida State Ole Miss. But leading up to that, and people don't think stuff like this. They just look Florida State Ole Miss, okay, it's a great football game. But Ole Miss is about to get the death penalty almost. And I know all these players that are out there playing for Ole Miss are thinking in the back of their head, oh, God, what? Are, I mean, are we even going to be able to play in the playoff this year? Because you never know, Jonathan, when the NCAA comes in week three and just says, hey, guys, you're suspended. I mean, there's no postseason for you anymore. I'm sorry. That's the way it's going to be. But Florida State's got something to prove to me. Alabama, they beat – or Ole Miss has beat Alabama two years in a row. They're old piss. They, that's just who they are. But I think Florida State's got something to prove in this game, and I and I think that that little that little quarterback for them for Ole Miss is about to get to see a pass rush that that he's not used to seeing all the time. And these you talk about teams that recruit well. Florida State has recruited better than just about anybody. And Jimbo Fisher, you know, I talked to a booster the other day that is actually for Auburn is actually friends with with Jimbo Fisher, and he and he says, I'm not saying this because he's my friend. He says, I'm telling you, Jimbo Fisher is the best coach besides saving him college football. And it's just he has a knack of, of being able to get the most out of his players, 
to be able to call the right play at the right time, Jonathan, and you probably know all this is true, and you probably agree with the guy. But I, I think Jimbo Fisher, he's got to take it personal that he's playing an SEC team, and people are talking about Ole Miss, how great they are, and how they're going to beat them. But I think Florida State turns around and beats Ole Miss. I think it'd be about seven or ten points. But I, I mean, both teams are good, but I think Jimbo is just a better head coach, and I think that's a difference in the talent on the field. Ole Miss is talented, but I think Florida State's just a little more talented. Give me your thoughts on your team in this game. What are you looking at? Well, Florida State's going to win. Let's just start that off right there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what I'm you looking like for is I want to <laughs> I mean, what I'm looking for is I want to see how an offensive line that was very green last year, um, how they mature. I mean, I love our left tackle and Roderick Johnson. Uh, that, that's a kid that um, we're probably going to move that for this year. Uh, he, he'll, you know, as a junior, and he'll, he'll go first two rounds of the draft. Um, it's an offensive line that, you know, we have some question marks, but a lot of sophomores, uh, I mean, a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing last year. Um, so that, that extra year is really going to be good. We got Dalvin Cook back. I mean, I, you know, there's not Me. a lot of teams in college. Not a lot of teams in college football that would turn down taking Dalvin Cook over wherever they have right now. Let's just be honest. Um a wide receiver, you know, we're still waiting to see something. A lot of people like Travis Rudolph. I like Travis Rudolph. Uh, but my thing with Florida State is we had 13 receptions by receivers that were 6'2 or taller last year. And that, that's not a good number. Uh, I'd like to see some of our big boys uh, like George Campbell, uh, who's a highly touted kid coming out of high school, actually went to my rival high school, I'd like to see uh, them step up this year. Uh, defensively, Ole Miss was starting to left tackle who's a true freshman. Well, our DNs are now foaming at the mouth. Josh Sweat would have been the top recruit coming out of high school if he hadn't torn up his knee. And he had a heck of a recovery program, came back and played last year, contributed, was very effective. He's going to start Demarcus Walker, who's an excellent defensive end. College, yeah, NFL, we'll see. He's always going to have a good job. Derek Nandy's one of the best D tackles. His defensive line is nasty. Their secondary is nasty. Derwin James is one of the best safeties. They're one of the best defensive players in the country. Uh, you know that that kid is just—he—he's another world. Uh, you know, and linebackers gonna be something. Now we we have a running joke in Tallahassee. Uh, it's called the unicorn. Uh, that's what we call Matthew Thomas. For those of you that don't remember, Matthew Thomas was a highly touted recruit coming out of uh, Booker T. Washington High School in Miami who tried to, uh, after he got to campus in Tallahassee, tried to get out of his uh, his uh, letter of intent and transferred out of the Georgia USC. And the school said, no, we're going to hold you to this. you got to play ball for us, at least this year. And he stuck it out. He had some academic issues and some health issues. But this kid sounds really, you know, sounds like this camp, he's really come along. He's finally figured out and tapped the potential. Linebackers is always going to be a green spot, it seems, in Tallahassee. But I think we figured out this year with Thomas and Hoskins. I'll tell you this much right now. If Florida State don't win by double digits, I'll be worried. DeAndre Francois is a very talented quarterback. But we better win by double digits. If we don't beat Ole Miss by double digits, I'm telling you, I see us winning by 17. I really do. I think this Florida State team is going to be a contender for the national title. This is a great team compared to last year. How would you like to see – what if I told you that Auburn and Florida State would play in the national championship? Would that make you happy? That would make me happy. I don't know about you, but I'd be happy. 
<laughs> I'll be happy. I'll take a second title thanks to Malzahn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that game was rigged. We had it won. <laughs> Let's look at their schedule real quick. 
Florida State opens up Ole Miss, we talked about. We think that's going to be a cakewalk for the Seminoles. And Dalvin Cook, you're talking about Fournette. I mean, I, just put me Cook. Give me Cook. I'll take Cook over any back in the nation right now. Then they play Charleston Southern. Give me at Louisville, just not enough. At South Florida. Then they get to come home for North Carolina. At Miami, Wake Forest, home against Clemson October 29th. And that's circled. Because Florida State jumped out on Clemson last year in that game and scared the piss out of them. Should have beaten them, but they didn't. October 29th is a big game. At NC State the week after, that scares Jonathan. He'll tell you that at NC State game after Clemson is a trap game. Then you got Boston College at Syracuse in Florida. I mean, you're looking at an 11-1 and or a 12-0 and right there. I mean, Jonathan, anything less than 12-0 and would be kind of a disappointment, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, if Florida State doesn't doesn't finish regular season undefeated, uh, win the ACC championship game, and play in the playoffs, uh, yeah, I mean, us and yeah, the the whole fan base in an entirety will be uh, disappointed. You know, there's the people that say, "Well, where's well, Miami and Florida?" But here's a, here's a scenario for you: you lose to Ole Miss, Jonathan, in a post game, just turnovers, whatnot, but you win out, you win the ACC championship. Do you go to the playoff? Well, I gotta say, you know, we if if we went out, we beat uh, Clemson. Um, you know that. that well, I Auburn think, already beat them. Auburn already beat them. Does that really matter? Uh, well, I, I don't know. All right, smart ass. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I think a Florida State ACC champ. I, I think they get a hard look. It obviously depends on how the rest of it shakes out. Um, but, you know, they, they have to beat Ole Miss. There's no doubt about that. And, and it's like you said, that North Carolina, you know, the Louisville game, a lot of people are like, oh, well, watch out. You know, you got to play at Louisville. It's a noon game. Uh, I'm not as worried about being up there for a noon game. People are like, well, what about the USF game? Yeah, no, no. Because here, here's, the, here's the beauty of this. Florida State's got a neutral site against Ole Miss. Majority of the fans are going to be Florida State. They got to go to USF. Majority of the fans are going to be Florida State. They got to go to Miami. Majority of the fans are going to be Florida State. We got three non-home games that are going. They don't sound like home games. So that's 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 the beauty of of, of uh, where these games are and, and how the fan base travels. So I think uh, I think this is a good setup. But you're right. That back to back with Clemson and North Carolina State. Yeah, I don't like going to Raleigh. Here's a scenario for you that could happen and. Clemson, just say, just say they they beat everybody but Florida State, right? Florida State goes undefeated through that schedule. I think you know Clemson doesn't make the ACC championship, but I think Clemson makes the playoff. I think you'd have two ACC teams at that point, Florida State and Clemson, in there. I don't think there's any way you can leave Clemson out. I don't care who you have to leave out if Clemson if Clemson goes eleven and one, and their only loss is a road game at Florida State, Jonathan. As long as it's not a blowout, I think you got to put them in it. Um, I just think I don't, I don't think it's going to happen though. I think Clemson loses. I don't know. I think Clemson loses three games this year, and I'm not just saying that. Clemson's going to lose three games this year. They're going to lose two Auburn, two Florida State, and I think honestly they're going to slip up and, and maybe that game before Florida State before the bye, NC State. Even though that game's in Clemson, watch out. Georgia Tech on the road. 
that's always tricky. I mean, on a Thursday night. Like that. Yep, that's. I'm saying three losses, but hey, for your Auburn fans out there, Quinn, and you, you, as an Auburn fan in my life, I've seen these noon games. Jonathan talks about the noon Eastern games. Auburn plays terrible in those. The good news yep. is that Clemson, Arkansas State, and A&M, A&M's a 9 o'clock game. Arkansas State's a 7.30 game. A&M's a 7 o'clock game. After that, LSU, that's either going to be a 3.30 Eastern game or a night game. So, in yep. Louisiana Monroe, it really doesn't matter. So, Auburn, with the night games they have, is it's a lot better than in years past. If you look at in the past, Jonathan, in 2013 and 10, when they did play for the championship, they had the same schedule. They had night games to begin the year and being at home. So, uh, is this something I'll throw out there to people? Yeah, yeah I mean, a question I, for you before I, they play a night game. Jonathan, a question for you. When, a, when does Franklin the third get named the starting quarterback at Auburn? Which game will it be? Mm. Well, I mean, if you look at it, they're, they, you know, they – it depends on how Sean White does against Clemson, but let's say he's uh, he's adequate. That Louisiana Monroe game is the one that's kind of sticking out to me. I think by then, uh, Malzahn will make a hard decision on it. Uh, I think that's going to be the one. If Franklin, if he's going to start, I think that would be his first start as Louisiana Monroe. I think Arkansas State's a good one. Um, gives him a chance. Which, trust me, I'm I'm scared of Arkansas State. I'm. I'm, I'm scared of what they can do, but but I think that would be one. But I think we're going to see a couple of quarterbacks. I think we're going to see all three of them. But, guys, what not works best for you this week for a show? We've got to do our predictions at another time tonight. Um, it's 9 o'clock right now. So what night, Wednesday or Thursday? Would you all like to come on early Thursday? Uh don't know what your schedule before the, the kickoff, maybe about 5 o'clock. Uh, Wednesday, I don't have anything. Thursday, you'll be getting me about 10 minutes after I get out of class. Okay, we'll do Wednesday then. Quinn, are you going to be around Wednesday night? Um, I'm leaving for Alabama on Wednesday, and I'm going to visit some family in Alabama. So I might try and stop them, but I might not be able to. You have any? You have any cousins in Alabama? Yeah, I have some cousins, and then some family I haven't seen in a really long time. Have you ever dated a cousin? No. <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> That's nasty. You know, you know, it, you know, it's legal in Alabama. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's just I'm nasty. No, he's, he he you know, he hey, lives I'm in from, Kenosha. I'm from Alabama, so you think I'd, I'd put my own state down? Come on now. Well, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. It was a great entertainment, great show, a lot of information. I'm telling you, from now until game time, uh, Thursday or Saturday, go look at these these scenarios we talked about. I mean, go look and, and form your own conclusion and quit listening to Paul Feinbaum and his inbred caller people please just just quit stop it now like like jonathan says stop it um georgia fans get your head out of the sand eason is going to have a lot of growing pains they're going to lose to to north carolina and then you're going to be wishing mark rick was back with your 10 win seasons 
But anyway, guys, thanks for joining us. We will see you Wednesday night, probably about the same time, around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll get it going here. One, I mean, we're almost there, man. I'm foaming at the mouth, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Okay. All right, guys. See you all Wednesday. Bye.